As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell, he scores the ball and he rebounds well. Don't fight the future, here comes Luca. It's in heaven. Hello, this is 77 Minutes, the Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network, the only Mavericks podcast that has never, at any point, referred to itself as the Luca Stopper. I'm Tim Cato, and I'm talking to my friend Bobby Carolla, and we've, we've got four games done. The Mavericks just went to 2-2. Two and two. They beat the Brooklyn Nets. Um, we're recording on a Friday morning. You assuredly will listen to this the moment it's published, so you're probably listening on a Friday morning as well. Bobby, I just want to get early thoughts. You know, the the Brooklyn game just happened. It, it, there for a minute, I I thought I thought this might be a one and three start, and and things shifted around a little bit. And I think the vibes are are better after an overtime win. Yeah, I think it was a nice palate cleanser because if you do fall to one and three, losing three close games that for large portions, if not like a lion's share of the game, you were the better team. Then it just would have been tough. You know, it, it would have been four games into the season no matter what, right? Whether you're two and two or four and oh or oh and four or whatever. That but is how it works. Yeah, yeah. It would just be so demoralizing, you know, to to play really better than your other opponents uh all four times and only have one win to show for it. So if nothing else, it's just a nice way to get everybody to kind of just take a deep breath and relax. And some guys finally saw shots go through the net too, which I think is really big. Yeah, you can't start one and three when Luca's averaging damn near thirty-seven points a game. Like, like, what, what are we doing in that scenario? But I'm gonna, I'm gonna cheat off your own work. Uh, I believe you tweeted this this morning, um, and I thought it was a good point. You said that in the Brooklyn game, a big difference, or, or when you saw the game kind of changing, was when uh, Luca beat Ben Simmons off the dribble a couple straight times, and then you know, caused a ca- cascading effect on the Brooklyn defense. Talk a little bit more about that. I'd love to, I'd love to hear your brain um, sharing your own thoughts rather than me uh, summarizing them. Well, I did tweet that, Tim. Thank you for, uh, for mentioning that. But it was kind of piggybacking off of an observation that you made in The Athletic, actually, after... Was it the Pelicans game or was it the, it was. the Suns game? Okay. It was the uh, Pelicans game. How defenders are just starting to 
stay at home on Dorian Moore and on Maxi Kleba. And I guess to a lesser degree, Reggie Bullock, but they kind of always did on him anyway. Um, you know, whereas before, if we're talking the, the prior, previous generation of Mavs basketball until this season, it was a lot of attention on Luka. And then you're just hoping that if he gets double teamed, then you can go tic-tac-toe and find the open shooter in the corner. This year, it feels like he's facing way fewer double teams. It's a lot more isolation, a lot more switching. And throughout his career, you know, switching defense against Luka, like against Luka the player is not a problem for Luka the player, but for the Mavs, the basketball team, it has caused huge problems because it really reduces the number of touches that everybody else gets. It's basically just Luka taking his man one-on-one or KP or Christian Wood or whatever, Spencer Dinwiddie, it just turns already a relatively low ball movement team, you know, a low-ranked passing team into a, like, 30th ranked passing team and um you know just kind of kind of really clunkifies the offense sort of clogs things up in the lane and there's just really not much going on but last night you know Luca was just able to just demolish the point guards I mean they were putting Kyrie and Patty Mills on him like almost every time down the floor just switching those guys freely onto him and so he was just backing him down as easy as he liked in the first quarter and in the, in the first half and then they finally put Simmons on Luca, who's done a great job throughout his career, in my opinion, maybe even better than any other player in the league, defending Luca one on one. But this isn't the same Ben Simmons yet, and Luca cooked him like three or four times in a row. I mean, like really, really, like well done, charred. You know, uh, the kind of steak that I wouldn't want to eat, right? Luca, Luca turned Simmons into some barbecue chicken, um, and steak too. This is a lot of food references. It is a, a lot I'm, of cooking well, was happening very clearly. Very high temperatures. Uh, well, they call him Chef Luca, you know. Um, but anyway, you know, and once he was able to cook Simmons, it was like, okay, well, we have no other measure of recourse, right? Like Steve Nash was like, we finally have to start doubling him. And then when they did start trapping him off these screens, then everyone was wide open. And in overtime, you know, it was Maxi Kleba, it was Tim Hardaway Jr., it was Reggie Bullock. All of these guys were finally just getting wide open, clean looks that they're used to getting. And guess what? They were able to knock him down. So if teams are going to guard Luka one-on-one more, he has to be able to punish them by just getting to the basket relentlessly. And then that's how you can reverse engineer these open threes for everybody else. I almost thought Brooklyn looked better when they were just letting Kyrie and, and Patty Mills go on to Luka. It it was making Luka work. Like, we we love Luka in the post. Like, we like the idea of him being a player who, you know, has the savvy of a, you know, 32-year-old 7-1 big man who, you know, who's been in the league for 10 years uh, and, and just, you know, just has that, you know, strength he can use in the post. But but if you, if you, if you have to do that multiple possessions in a row, um, backing someone down from the three-point line, that that is a little clunky. And, and I thought, I thought, you know, even you know, some combination of Luca having to do that a lot, and Luca, I thought in the first half, not quite being as brilliant as we expect him to be. Um, you know, Missed specifically, a yeah, yeah, we're talking specifically by his own standards. Um, I thought that looked better than you know defaulting to a player that Luca could just beat off the dribble one on one. So I think it's interesting. I, I think this trend will continue. I, I think more and more teams will continue playing Luca, uh, switching more freely, sticking a little closer to shooters. Um, I, I think it's just going to be a different approach. You know, I, I, I talked to Dorian Finney-Smith in, in New Orleans after after that uh, loss, and you know, he he agreed with me. You know, I was kind of asking him, "Hey, am I am I right about this?" 
Um, and he's like, yeah, man, I, I'm not getting those corner threes like I used to. And, and I think it is a new problem for the team to solve. And, you know, I, I guess the two solutions is either Luca really is that good. Like he is he is just so overwhelmingly relentless that you have to start playing something other than, you know, con- conceding switches and, and playing him one on one. I've seen teams in, in, you know, the Warriors kind of did this um, last series, but it seems like teams will show and uh, and hedge and then recover late to the roller. And it doesn't seem like JaVale specifically has, has been someone who can make that role catch, um, you know, maybe elude one late help defender and dunk or, you know, kind of make the right read out of it, um, which I, I, I didn't even think I'd get here this early in the season. But you know which big man could do that. It's Christian Wood, very clearly. I thought you were going to say Dwight Powell, Tim. <laughs> Dwight Powell, decent at it, but but not you know not the same scoring threat or or in, instantly off the catch. Um, what do you what do you think of Christian Wood start um, and the starting lineup debate? Just kind of generally, let's get there. Let's go there. It's, it's the it's the topic that everybody's talking about, Bobby. The, the, okay, the world well, needs to hear what 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 do you think on uh, the the most pressing matter? Okay, uh, Christian Wood has been really good. I guess that's mm-hmm. pretty much my summary and if i can do a plug real quick if you go to the mavs youtube channel one of the most recent videos is a film room where i'm just breaking down christian wood highlight plays and just awing at how good he is as for the starting lineup i saw you tweet that javel is getting the dwight powell treatment like four games into the season and i i mean i can't fault j kid for that because you know in some of his minutes he's been relatively ineffective but I thought in the first quarter, JaVale was actually pretty good last night, but in the third quarter, you know, he just had a couple back-to-back blunders, and it was time. I think that there are opponents against which you're going to need a lot of JaVale minutes, like Denver, for example, you know, guarding Jokic down low, or Philly with Embiid, maybe even Minnesota. Not that you would put him on Towns, but you could definitely put him on Gobert at least, you know, so I think there, there are a lot of teams where, you know, JaVale is probably going to need to play more than 10 minutes, but against teams like Brooklyn or against teams like New Orleans. I mean, New Orleans does have Jonas, but you know, it's not like he was their most effective player. It was guards. You know, they were the the Pelicans were beating the Mavs with speed. And against these faster teams, I just think you need a little more switchability. Um I thought the lineup and, that the Mavs and unfortunately used, McGee McGee didn't guard Valanciunas well. You know, Va- yeah, Valanciunas was able to shrug them off. Yeah. 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 Um which that was kind of disheartening because I mean, that's, in theory, what JaVale's best at, you know, handling those Goliaths. Exactly, um, yeah. Now, you know, the Mavs are, after last night, I'm not sure, but going into last night, they were the number one defensive rebounding team in the league, really good offensive rebound percentage, too. So, I mean, you're still fixing that, if you consider that a weakness, which, frankly, I didn't last year, but I'm, I'm a weirdo. Um, I'm kind of with think you the, on that. Yeah. I think the lineup they the, used in the, the weirdo se- part, to be clear, but oh, also okay. also the rebounding. <laughs> okay. Um, the lineup they used in the second quarter last night I thought was real interesting with Luka and then Bullock, Finney Smith, Josh Green, and Maxi Kleba. Now, I don't think that can be your starting five. Or, well, I mean, maybe it could be if you're, a real, if you're a real sicko like me. But I think that's your ideal uh, stylized lineup in that if Luka's your one, two through five can switch and pretty much guard almost every position. I guess Reggie Bullock is not going to put the clamps on Embiid in the post, but, you know, perimeter-wise, all of all four of those guys can guard all four perimeter positions, uh, excluding five if you don't want to count that. And then Luka can guard whoever's left uh, and then orchestrate on offense. And now you could 
in theory, slot Wood into that maxi spot and have kind of the same thing, but I wouldn't trust Wood to switch out on like Desmond Bain or Devin Booker or whoever. You know, Maxi's been CJ McCollum, guys that Maxi's had success against. But, you know, if you're looking to shake up the starting lineup, I still like Wood off the bench. Am I ready to say Maxi Kleba's your starting five? I don't know, but I think that that would be pretty interesting. Uh, but I think it's it's still so early in the year that to just like completely, you know, rip rip the cord out or abandon ship or whatever on on Javale's your starting five. I still think that that's just pretty early because it's really hard after you make a decision like that to come back to it later. And I, eventually, I think they would. Someone's going to get hurt. You know, it's just it's going to happen. So I still think you got to try and make it work before you just say, "Nah, this is this is bad. This is bad. We can't do it anymore." I'm with you there. I don't think you can proclaim something in the off season and and abandon it this quickly. Um, whether they sh- it should have been proclaimed, whether it was necessary to signing him, whether you know McGee should have been prioritized as a signing, those are all open questions. I think I think there's merit to uh, both sides of the conversation. Um, but but this is this is kind of the thing when when you start talking about lineups with each you know you you take a five man unit and you're like what let's put this player in instead of this player, and each iteration of it is kind of solving one thing and creating a new problem and. That's that's really how basketball games, especially playoff games, uh, tend to play out. Uh, so so if you're looking at the Mavericks and you're saying, okay, everybody is switching against this, uh, you know, against us, and what's you know what's the solution here? Um, you know, things are getting a little static. Luca's having to back down. Yeah, Christian Wood in the starting five would solve that to a degree, or it would give you more outlets to you know kind of get defenses into a blender. Uh, and force them out of that scheme. Um, but then, depending on the team you're playing, you are going to have some more switching problems. All of a sudden, Luca might have to be playing defense on the other end because you don't have, you know, a a you know more traditional pick and roll player like Javale that you can trust in a you know to to show and recover, or you don't have Maxi on the court and and you can't uh, you know just switch everything and hide Luca you know on you know some three point corner shooter. And, and and so this is this is the you know it's a merry-go-round and on and on and on it, it goes and so I do think eventually like with the way Christian Wood is playing um you know with the way he started the first three games of course he's gonna get looks at the starting lineup and and I think those will be warranted when they come but in terms of you know I've said this on this podcast before um I, I think if if he ends up a starter making him earn it makes sense you know I, I think that's probably best for him and the team. Um, you know, rather than throwing him in there right away. And so it's just a matter of, of you know, waiting till that happens. Um, I, I would I would like to see his sub patterns change up a little bit because it, it doesn't make sense to keep pulling him. You know, this was the first three games and, and it wasn't the case, um, you know, against uh, uh, last night against Brooklyn. But he was in foul trouble, though, to be fair. He Yes, last night. yes, that's true. And that's he true. was relatively ineffective. I mean, like he wasn't. He wasn't Christian effing Wood, you know. He was just—he was pretty good, right? In the in the first three games, very noticeably, he would have to come out at like the six-minute mark. Um, when normally, if you did want to close the game with him, you'd have to you know keep rolling all the way through. And so, you know, in, in a lot of ways, even if even if Javale keeps starting, I, I do think he's best as a four or five-minute burst guy. I, I believe the Mavericks think that as well. Um, you know, that they have some numbers or analytics that, that suggest the same. And so the, the sooner you get Christian Wood into the first and third quarter, the sooner you can take him out in the second and fourth. And if you want him to close either half, 
you can get him back in. So that seems like a simple, subtle, you know, obvious tweak that I, I would imagine the Mavericks probably do make in the coming weeks. Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you play seven, eight minutes in the third quarter and then you come out. Now, the only problem with that is if he plays like X minutes in the third quarter until the fourth quarter starts and then comes out of the game, that's also when Luka comes out. And so you're playing four to five minutes to start the fourth quarter without both of them. And that's a little risky. Unless Josh Green really is the best shooter on your team, in which case you can just feed him and Tim over and over again. But I don't know. I mean, I think um, if you're going to continue playing Luka the 12-6, 12-6, or 12-7, 12-7, whatever rotation, right. which I, I think he really likes. I think he really likes playing the whole first. He really likes playing the whole third. And, you know, there's just no reason to shake the hornet's nest whenever you don't need to. It's just kind of, you kind of have to have a rotation so that multiple, like two of your top three offensive players are on the floor whenever Luca's not. So it's right. just kind of tough to build a rotation that way. Um, not that it's Luca's fault. It's the merry-go-round. It's, kind of a, you know, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's another merry-go-round where, like, in theory, if to, to play Christian Wood in, the, in that style of, of minutes rotation, you just have Luca come out at the two or three minute mark and you'd bring him back at the eight minute mark. Or if you still have Jalen Brunson, then it wouldn't matter. You could you you could right. do that, and you'd still have Brunson and Dinwiddie or whatever. Right, right. Um, looking like an all star up in New York, man. He's playing great. He's, He's so a good. He's, He's a so winner. Good. Yeah, and like I, I think we're both analytic stat nerds. Um, we have in some way made a lot of our uh, careers about using numbers the right way and and using interesting ones. Sometimes you just can't quantify that dudes just win. Yeah. But also, he's so, he's so good now that his analytics are also really good. <laughs> he's well, just he's true. amazing. He's just amazing. And they never lie. They never lie. Yeah. Although, there's already trouble in paradise because R.J. Barrett is blaming his failures on Jalen or something. Or pe- people around the Nets are saying, you know, it's one of those people are saying reports. Mm. People say too much sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm saying this on a podcast where two dudes are saying things. Yep, probably too many things. No, so. we're saying the correct things. We we are we are people people got to remember that. Yeah, and there's never a maximum capacity on the truth. Do you think we would just hop on this podcast and say incorrect things? No. Who do I'm you think about we to are? Spread misinformation. That's not what I do. All right, this is this is a uh, probably extending too far of a, of a sidebar, um, but I enjoyed it. I, I need I need the people to know what what uh what we're all about. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. 
We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man and the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I think you're right about Luca and his... It, it just makes sense. Like, I, I don't know. I, I guess I've never specifically asked Luca about this. I, I do think he enjoys it. That'd be a good thing to ask Luca about the 12-6 the minute rotation specifically, I should clarify. Um, it, it does seem to make a lot of sense for him. Um I, I would imagine there's no reason to shake that up. But like you said, now there's the cascading effect of sometimes Christian Wood rotations are going to look wonky. Um, and how to solve that, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it'll, it'll probably... I, I do think Christian Wood starts getting into games a little bit sooner. Um, you know, maybe maybe you tore around with like a, a stretch of him, you know, from the eight-minute mark to the four-minute mark or eight-minute mark to the two-minute mark get him out for a couple minutes, let him play till Luca comes back in the fourth um, or in the second. Um, yeah, there, but then that's, that's the... Here. Remember they did that with, I think it was KP? Yeah. Uh, during the 2021 season, I think. And Rick KP was did used, not like that, right? Yeah, because he was like, I can never find a rhythm. I'm coming in for like five, six minutes and then coming out and then five, six minutes and coming out. And it's, it is tough to do that. So it's just kind of, I don't know. It's really complicated. It's sports are, sports are hard. I, I've done a um, rotation exercise a couple times before a couple seasons that I've I've been on this beat. Um, I didn't do it this year, but it, it's one thing I was struck with just how hard it is, even taking a fully healthy roster without you know accounting for matchups, fouls, injuries, um, you know just randomly wanting to get one player in versus another player. It's really hard to build, you know, a forty-eight minute rotation for five players. Um, you know, I guess for like nine players, and um, you know, if there's one thing this conversation kind of, um, you know, struck to you, the listener, um, it is that it, that, that it is complicated, that these things go around and around and around. There's no perfect solution. So, you know, I, I think it's very easy to look at these games and be like, why is Christian Wood being substituted like this? And then you think about it and then you think about how to fix it. And then you think about what fix, you know, how fixing it would break something else. 
And, you know, when there's five layers of that, yeah, yeah, you know, this is this is why Christian Wood, you know, had to sub out at the six minute mark for two consecutive games, you know, to, to start the season. So yeah, and it probably won't look like that in April. You know, it'll probably be different. Injuries happen. Accidents happen. You know, some maybe, you know, maybe something happens to a starter and then you have to tweak something. And then that's whenever you like find the you have the aha moment. But we won't know till we get there. It's all part of the journey, as well as the, the friends we make along the way. Well, Bobby, what's another thing or two you want to talk about before we get out of here? Um, you know, opt- optimistic, positive, um, or anything, really. Um, I'm just curious. I'm always curious your your, your thoughts on this. And, and you, look, you look like you're brooding. You look like you're really meditating on something insightful, delightful. So I'm ready. Yeah, I'm trying to think... Um, because the you said optimistic, so I want to stay optimistic. But the one thing that's been on my mind a lot is that they're they're defending a little differently. They're playing more drop, which creates a different set of problems than playing more you know closer to the level of the screen. Um, there's no perfect defensive system, so it's just different. It's just different. And I think difference is cool, but drop is risky, man. Drop is really risky because you let guards do a lot of stuff, and it's it freaks me out whenever guards do a lot of stuff. As for optimism. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, there's something to be said. Now, they did lose two of these games, but there is something to be said that they've been the better team pretty much in all four games, um, despite very clear shortcomings and despite like a, in a kind of strange starting lineup and despite Christian Wood not getting enough minutes and despite losing Jalen Brunson, all that stuff, they're still, they've still been the better team. Um, I would agree with that, I think. Yeah. But they've, they haven't won. And so, you know, it's all, it's like, this, every time you lose a close game, it's not because Luka took a step back at the end. It's because you missed a pair of free throws in the first quarter, or you had a real weird turnover in the second quarter, or an inexplicable defensive breakdown in the third. Like, it's just a summation of all these little mistakes. And mm-hmm. I think that's what the early part of the season is all about. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to have, like, their, their blooper reel of turnovers last night in the third quarter was like mind-blowing I mean that was that was an NBA basketball game and they had five of like the worst turnovers you'll ever see back to back to back to back to back there's some bad Um, ones yeah it was bad but that's the that's the early part of the season and you're gonna end up cleaning it up but you know last year they were winning a lot of games they were what nine and four or whatever and I don't think many people would have said on a lie detector test that they were the better team in like more than two or three of those games they just happened to win them and winning is good because they, you need a lot of wins to make the playoffs. But I think uh, their form is very good. That's a nice soccer term. They're in good form. It is for the, for the most part. Uh, and so hopefully, I guess my optimism, my source of optimism, is that you know I think they still are going to make some sort of trade or some sort of acquisition or whatever at some point. But things are going to click at some point in the future. Maybe it's next week. Maybe it's in February. I have no idea. But when they do. I think that they could really be really, really, really good. Uh, but in the meantime, you just got to find a way to win close games. I mean, that's really what it is. I, I think that they're going to be good enough this year to where they're not going to lose games by double digits more than like, I don't know, five or six times. They they just don't get blown out very often. They have too much shooting. They have too much Luka. But, um, you know, until you end up cleaning all those little mistakes up on defense and in transition, whatever, then you're going to have to grind out close wins like they did last night. And so I don't know if that's even optimistic. It's just kind of a, it's a thought that I have, Tim, and I just needed to get it out of my head. 
it's it's your your state of the team, you know, address, if you will. Um, I, I like that. I, I think that's a good summation that I that I largely agree with. the The clutch offense has been odd. Um, uh, I, I think there's probably a bunch of factors that go into that, um, but a couple of them are ones that we saw in the postseason. Just that Luca is a little bit worse late in games. If you ask, you know, such a dominant minutes load of him that came to mind when you were talking about you know how it isn't you know his step back threes that lose the Mavericks games I agree with that it, you know it is a summation of a lot that happens throughout a game and because yeah, I mean, the it, Mavericks, it is and is yeah. and it isn't right like, right maybe it, you could get to the basket but you know what I mean mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah it doesn't it doesn't mean that we can't examine and uh criticize if if necessary whether that's the best shot in that situation but yeah, it is not 13, directly 13 of them against New Orleans 13 against that's a yeah, lot that's a yeah. lot you could you could argue taking 13 threes against New Orleans was what lost them that game much more than you could say that the very last shot is the reason they lost that game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean um, and that's that's the thing that it's always very hard because like Rick Carlisle always said this he was he would say, you know, they'd lose the game by one and and he would say like there's a, a there's thousands of events in a basketball game and to him an event is like even a pass. That's an event. Like because something could happen, you could turn it over, you could pick it off, you could, you know, maybe you don't throw it right in the shooter's pocket, so he can't get a shot off. Like there's thousands of things that happen in a game, and so to blame a loss on one decision is really, I mean, you've got to like really, really earn it. Like Russell Westbrook taking that pull up whenever whenever they're leading, like that is like a mind-boggling decision. But still, there was eighty-seven thousand other things they could have done better. You know, and, so it's and- it's very hard to to talk about close losses. Yeah, there's, you know, there's a high-end analytics that takes soccer, a, you know, a sport without much scoring, and literally builds their models based off that. Every event, every action, they assign a, you know, goals added, goals subtracted to that action. And now you're talking .001 in a lot of instances, or or at least .01. But, you know, this pass way down the field, you know, gave your team in fractional bigger chance to score a goal and that functionally you do that a bunch of times over the course of a game and it adds up to being a winning player you know i i think it's kind of the same thing there um where was i going with that uh the turnovers in the defense uh, i just wanted to uh add quick thoughts on that it was it was josh bow from mass moneyball who i thought had a good point about jalen brunson not being on the team and you're just seeing some sloppier turnovers brunson was, you know, he's one of the most ball-secure point guards in the league, if not maybe the most. Uh, I haven't directly looked this up. But I, I do think there is something that you take out a player like that, you know, just a very stable, calming presence out of out of the team. You take, you know, you replace the, his 36 minutes, his 34 minutes with uh, someone else or a combination of somebody else. And, yeah, you're just going to, you know, the ball's going to go sailing a little bit more. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a little baffling at times, but I expect that to be something they figured out in the defense. I'm just going to keep an eye on it. You're, you're right that they're playing it a little bit differently. Um, it hasn't been as good. It hasn't looked as sharp and it took until December of last year. Um, you know, really the start of January is when it really started clicking just because the maps had so many players and, uh, COVID protocols at the time. Uh, and they got their full team back, and it, it really looked like something. It was a defense that I believed in, um, despite the fact that I knew it was running hot and, and overperforming theoretically in, in a couple different ways or, or just kind of by the makeup of the team. Um, I, I thought it was a very deserved um, high-end defense, and it hasn't been that so far. Um, 
I think that's okay. And so it's just a matter of, of seeing where it goes and how it adjusts and, and, you know, what the team does from here. So yeah, and to, to your point about the turnovers. So last year, Brunson had a exactly three to one assist to turnover ratio here, 4.8 assists to 1.6 turnovers. Um, he was much more of like a vortex last season, like much more of a scorer, kind of like a la like Dirk or Harrison Barnes. And those guys are going to have low turnover rates, but in New York, he's almost doubled his assist to 8.5 and he's still only turning it over one and a half times a game, which is just unbelievable. Spencer Dinwiddie, meanwhile, last year, also a three to one ratio in Dallas, but this year only a two to one assist to turnover ratio. And so I think it's a, it's also an adjustment period for Dinwiddie. Not that I'm excusing it. Cause again, some of the turnovers are just like, like, what are you thinking, man kind of turnovers. Um, but this is the most point guardy Spencer Dinwiddie's had to be probably in his entire career, less of a scorer, more of a facilitator. And so I think that's an adjustment period for him too. And now maybe it'll never be that he'll get used to it. You know, maybe he'll kind of, it'll be sort of weird and he'll continue scoring a lot better than he's facilitating. And then you're like, okay, we need to get another guy that can facilitate instead. Um, or maybe he figures it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe, but, um, you know, so I'm I'm saying uh, I'm saying give it a little bit of time for that too, because just as there are adjustments to make defensively, just as there are adjustments for Luca to make, you know, I think Denwitty's got a lot that he's got to make too. So, you know, I, maybe a little a little patience in that respect. But yeah, missing Brunson, obviously, dude. I mean, he's like an all time low turnover king. He's unbelievable. He's like Chris Paul levels of of ball efficiency or whatever. It's it's just it's ridiculous how good he is. He's a winner, man. Yeah. I think you're right. I think that's a great summation of where you feel about the team, which closely aligns with where I feel about the team after four games. Uh, they're not last year's Mavericks as much as it made sense or we'd like to talk about how, you know, they could just pick up where they left off to some degree, just thanks to roster continuity um, that they had that a lot of, you know, the teams in the Western Conference do not I, I did have that idea, or right? I was thinking that it was possible, and, and it's just very clear it's not. And I, that's that's not their fault. You know, every team learns who they are each season, and I think the Mavericks are going through that right now. And I think the signs are pointing up; they're optimistic. Um, but until we get some more games, until we see where exactly this team goes, um, who's to say what exactly this basketball team is? So. I'm looking forward to finding out, and I appreciate you, Bobby Corrala, for coming on. Definitely go check out all the work at Studio 41. Um, very good stuff. You, you've been in there. there a few times, Tim. I have. I have. Famously. And so I, I might even be back someday. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just inviting yourself in. Okay. No, we'll bring you back. Just, and you thank know, you for I'm having me. Just making safe assumptions, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Uh, thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week with another couple episodes. See ya. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luca, big dick Donchich from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you hit? Don't fight the future, it tears me apart. Don't fight the future, please be nice to Luca. Future four time MVP. Oh my god! Oh!
Shut it down! Oh, Let's go home! <laughs> it's a wrap, Doug! Man, that is a wrap. <laughs>